times like this that we can either be about ourselves or be about others. And, you know, if it's just going to be better if it's your, if you're about others and do whatever you can to help, whatever that is. Welcome, everybody. This is For the Love of Money, where we are making you unapologetic about your pursuit of success by sharing the tools, tips, and stories of those who have already made it. My name is Chris Harder, and each week I will bring you incredible guests in order to prove that when good people make good money, they do great things. Hey, everybody, welcome back to another outstanding episode of For the Love of Money. I cannot wait for you to hear today's episode. It's absolutely awesome. Such great stories are about to be told by Adrian Kaler. Adrian is a friend of mine, but more importantly, he is a leadership engagement expert. What does that mean? It means he coaches like really big-time executives and entrepreneurs, like A-lister type big-time executives and entrepreneurs in the art of science and leadership, both for themselves and for their teams. Because Honestly, you got to get yourself in line. If you're going to get your team in line, you got to have your team in line. If you're going to get yourself in line. And he is the master at teaching that. And he's got this really badass background in philanthropy. We all know how important that is to the show in ministry, in activism, in medicine. And so he has actually been in so many situations with his background experience that he finds comfort in difficult conversations. And isn't that what we all really need to do? We need to get to that place where we can find comfort in difficult conversations. That is his specialty, his wheelhouse. So he uses this ability to help people uh, in times of like crisis and conflict and stalemates to help them work it out in an amicable way because there's always a solution. Now, we're talking awesome clients that he works with like Nike, Virgin, Hyperloop, uh, Jenny's Ice Cream. By the way, that's legendary. You got to try Jenny's Ice Cream. Herschel Surprise, Oprah Winfrey Network, you name it. It goes on and on and on. So when I say that he works with the best of the best, you're about to learn from literally the best of the best. So what are you going to learn today? Well, you're going to love Adrian's story when he turns the spotlight on himself. And he talks about how he himself had to go through a massive transformation uh, and really face the facts when he was not being real with the people in his life. And he had to choose to accept his faults fully so that he could then become the guy that he is today. You're going to love his examples of other leaders who have done the exact same thing that he's worked with. And we do a deep dive on how high-performing business couples can not just make it, but absolutely thrive together. Because high-performing business couples, a lot of you are a high-performing business couple, high-performing business couples face their own set of challenges. And his significant other is Ali Webb, the famous founder of Drybar. And so he knows a thing or two, both as a coach and as a participant, when it comes to being a high-performing couple. And we actually go deep talking about how to make that work. I think you're going to love his answer as to how he's teaching his kids to view money and success. And by the way, stick around to the end because I'm giving several of you a chance to win a free lifetime membership to my famous Money Principles course. As a matter of fact, at the end, Adrian gives you some love and generosity. And that's what prompts me to give you some love and generosity with a few free Money Principle courses. So at the end, I'll tell you how you can win those. And remember, by the way, I do have free training, a free version of that Money Principles course that you don't even have to buy. You can always go get the free version at fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash free. Makes sense to me, right? Fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash free. That is the free video training on getting your money mindset and your habits straight. And just from that free video training alone, I promise I'll change your life. Go check it out, fortheloveofmoney.com forward slash free. Free is the best price anyways. So get ready, get excited, take some notes, listen up. 
because this episode is absolutely awesome. Hey, Adrian, my friend. How are you doing? Welcome to the show. Thank you, man. It's great. I'm, I'm doing good. Good to be here, man. Yeah, it's good to have you. I should say new friend because I haven't known you that long, but I feel like we've gotten to know you really quickly, which has been a really cool blessing in our lives. Yeah. I forget how we got... You know what? I, I was on Lori's podcast and Lori knew Allie or they knew each other and they'd been wanting to connect. And then some, I got on the podcast first and then Allie was on it. It was, it was meant yeah, to be. Yeah, it was meant to be. And then, and, and, and just to brag on you and Lori for a second, I mean, when my team sat down with you to talk about some ideas and where we were headed and, and you know, what, how we ought to approach it, I mean, you guys, um, so generous with us, so energized, so crystal clear. I mean, I, I seriously, I, I'm not exaggerating. I don't remember getting off a call. So I'll say the word blessed. I just mean really covered in generosity. I mean, it's not surprising that you have a podcast about the impact of generosity because I think you and Lori, really emanate this. This is not a commercial for you guys. But a lot to be thinking <laughs> Perfect about that. Perfect setup, man. Keep going. <laughs> yeah. I'm serious. I'm, se- I'm, not, I'm not blowing smoke. I'm serious. It was like, wow. I was taken back by the generosity. Thank you. That so, means a lot. I really appreciate that. Listen, when, when we see incredible human beings that we know are going to take a lot of action and are meant to change the world, we are all in on jumping on that journey. So it's an equal energy exchange. Well, thank you. So let's dive into this show. Speaking of giving yeah. good things to good people, every single listener yeah. is about to have their world rocked because you are the ultimate in leadership coaching, in my opinion. And you know, they heard the intro. They know all your accolades. What I really want to do is start with some rapid fire because I feel like it's a great way for them to get to know you in a hurry. And then we'll circle back around and we'll do a deep dive on some of the more important stuff after that. You in? Perfect. Let's do it. All right. So we're, we're going to start easy. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in Salem, Illinois, middle of nowhere, hour and a half east of St. Louis. Fellow Midwesterner. I love it. Yeah. And uh, where do you live now? I live in Los Angeles, California. All right. I knew that. Listeners didn't know that. Favorite quote? <laughs> ooh, ooh, ooh. Maybe just one, one that was repeated to a client this morning is what, we, what you resist persists. Mm, isn't that the truth? Is, yeah. Uh, yeah, Kierkegaard, it's a, it's a hybrid of like a Kierkegaard idea. Yeah, yeah, for sure. What's one of your superpowers? Oh, help disarming people quickly. Oh, that's valuable. And by the way, first time I've heard that answer on here. Very cool. What's one of your all-time favorite accomplishments so far? Mm. I mean, I've reinvented myself many times. Um, you know, so, you know, I, as, a young, as a young guy, you know, I always wanted, to, some, for some reason, like the contrarian view of things, liked going places nobody else wanted to go. You know, so my resume is, you know, quite odd and for some people quite interesting because I've, you know, traveled the world, taking teams overseas into, into war zones and, and, and challenging devastated areas. And I've, you know, you know, I was a pastor for many years and spoken on many stages globally and then, you know, traveled and did philanthropic work and then get to sit with, you know, amazing people now in my work now. So part of it, I mean, probably my biggest accomplishment is, is the being willingness and the ability to, you know, reinvent, reinvent, reinvent. I mean, that's, that's the, I mean, probably, probably that's, and kind of owning myself, you know, I've, that internally, I'm thinking about internal accomplishments is like owning kind of who I am and no longer at some point of demarcation, which I could say what that was, but just deciding, hey, I'm just going to be who I am and orient my world around that instead of keep trying to become what the world wanted or needed at the moment. And uh, that was probably the biggest internal accomplishment for me. Besides that, I've got an amazing girlfriend. Besides that, I've got two amazing children, a six-year-old and a four-year-old that knock my socks off. So anyway, 
you know, I've got a few more rapid fire questions, but actually I want to abandon those for a minute. Cause I, I, I want to talk about something you just said. Did I hear you correctly? Did you say you do know the moment that you were totally cool with accepting who you are? Yeah. All right. Can you share that with us? Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I'll say the moment in time. I, I don't know that it's an actually an exact moment. So there is a there. There was a season, I, I suppose, but I, it came out of some. It came out of some tragedy. I mean, I had been. This, we're going to get in the deep end really quickly. Okay, that's the idea. Got it. So I've been an out front guy for a long time. I don't remember not thinking like a leader. I don't remember not being bothered by what ought to happen or what could happen. Or I don't remember not being bothered by that. And I think that's a big aspect of a leader is like, oh, what needs to happen needs to happen. And it happens at a visceral level. Most leaders live with that level of angst. I did forever. I don't remember not feeling that way. So I've been a very external person and had a lot of roles in the world that were external. Um, and lived like that and was really good at all those. No matter what hat I was in, I loved it and I was forward thinking and liked and, and trusted and, and promoted and all that very on my toes. You know, I'm either going to follow a great leader or I'm going to commandeer the ship. That was like my, you know, attitude in my 20s for sure. And um, that had some collateral damage, but learned a lot. And uh, anyway, there was a point in time when I started really cr- uh, crumbling internally and it happened really slowly over time. Um, and part of it was, I think, from that, like I had spent a lifetime kind of really externally focused, which I think there's good things about that, but hadn't really built what I call the internal infrastructure to really support and sustain myself or sustain myself in the success or really having the habits to really keep that going. And I ended up kind of losing myself in that. And then some darkness came in, like some, some bad habits came in for me. I, I really didn't drink much at all and then started drinking to deal with the stress and the and and what I wasn't what I also wasn't dealing with on a personal level. And so drinking kind of became this, um, this escape place slowly over time. And then it got, and then it got bad over time. Adrian, and how really long was this? This, uh, starting about eight years ago, okay. it probably really kicked in. Right. Um, maybe nine years ago, it really started kicking in. And then, you know, a lot of other bad decisions and relationships started falling apart. I was married at the time and we were distant. And I and I I really internally was a mess, but you know was kept trying to keep it up on the externals. Long story short, that stuff kind of becomes progressive, and the darkness starts to become a hiding place. And then finally, the moment, one of the moments that kicked off this next season is when I finally crashed a car. I finally, you know, uh, you know, hit the car. I'd been drinking. Nobody was hurt except for me, which is great. Fortunate. Uh, fortunate. Yeah. And that really kicked off. Uh, and literally, I set. In, uh, I was walking into the emergency room by myself to get my face stitched up. And I wrote down this, this thing on this. I had a legal pad of paper with me. And I just wrote down, it might not get better, but I'm going to get better. Wow. And that was the moment, right? That was the kickoff to the whole, like that was the, okay, hold on. The ball game is inside of me. And if I don't get my shit straight, if I don't get myself aligned and get myself honest and get help in this specific area, but that you know, lends towards who I can be externally, authentically externally. Um, if I get that stuff straight, then my world can change. If I don't, then my world's going to run me. I want to go back and just make sure people heard that quote. It may not get better, but I'm going to get better. Here's what I'm hearing when you say that. Yeah. Everything externally that is trying to protect, yeah. that might not get better. It might look crappy. Everyone might find out the secrets. Everyone might find out that my life wasn't so great. 
but I will get better even though that might get shittier. Yeah, that's right. That's powerful. That's a powerful place of acceptance to know that it's now more important for you to get better than to keep the other stuff looking better. That's right. That's right. That was, that was really the moment that kicked off a whole new season of life for me, which was a lot of, you know, a lot of asking for help, which I'd been the helper my whole life. So when the helper decides to ask for help, which hard, it's hard, you know, and, and I, um, I think most, I think most of the kind of it's lonely at the top story that leaders get is that, hey, I got to be the guy or got to be the gal here. So I can't show weakness. I can't be weak. I can't be, I can't voice all the, in, all the insecurities that I actually have. I don't know a leader that doesn't you know, shriek a little bit or crumble, uh, uh, shrink back a little bit when they, I start asking, hey, what are you mostly, what are you most insecure about? They think that's bad news. And, I, and, and, you know, sharing it out loud, it, it lets the pressure off. It's like, hey, oh, you're in, or I'll tell them what I'm insecure about. Mm-hmm. And what? You? You're the coach guy. And I'm like, oh, no, this is the battle every day. I mean, you get, you see the person I give you, right? You don't see what's going on behind the scenes for me. You know, like I come off very confident and I am confident, but I am confident alongside of my insecurity. I got to jump in real quick. This is your area of expertise. So I have to ask for everyone else who's thinking it. If you're sure. running a team, you yeah. have customers counting on you delivering. If you have uh, the public eye on you, yeah. as most of your clients do, where is that fine line between not being so honest and vulnerable that people stop buying from you or people don't want to work for you because their job doesn't secure or people don't want to invest in your company and being authentic and sharing what's really going on so that you can be real? Where is that fine line? How do you, how do you dance that line? Yeah. Well, I, I live, I mean, this isn't a new idea to me, but it's a both and paradigm um, is what I fight for and have my clients think through is like, how do I get both? So here's what I mean is most of us run away from our dark side. Most of us run away from the hard stuff, you know, just because that's the, the, the space suit that we're built into. Our human way. You know, we don't ask permission. Our brain wants us to be safe and look good and feel good, be right, be in control. That's what survival is these days. So we can't not do those. Our brain's going to want to do those. Um, but the fine line is like, how can I get both? How can I be both? I'm thinking of examples. I'll, I'll get to examples in a second. But how can I be both really raw about what's going on for me and then still committed beyond what my challenges are? You know, because most people don't share their challenges because they think their challenges are competition against their success. I say no. I say the challenges are really. Um, they're a part of the success. And I think every single leader has human beings that are also struggling, that are watching them. And they're following their, their vision. They're following their direction, the strategic direction. Um, they're following their tactical plan or whatever. But really, they want, I, mean, I don't know, a human that doesn't want to follow somebody that inspires them. And most of life isn't at the, in the valley. Most of life is not at the peak of the mountain. Most of life is on the way up or on the way down. That's just how we live. Like, Things are getting better. Things are getting worse. What do I do? What do I do? And most of us, especially in this day and age, want what we call it authentic leadership, you know. Um, and so to see somebody struggle for good reason, I think is what I mean. For me, that's what I want. I want to see somebody that's got a crystal clear vision, has commitments, is committed to integrity, and when they blow it, they'll cop to it quickly. I trust them more. I don't want to follow someone that is perfect because that I don't you know because that's not even true right, yeah. or even acts perfect. I want someone that like is in tune with their own inauthenticity, and they could talk about it. It's like, oh, I feel safe around this guy. I don't have to. I don't have to be perfect around this guy or this gal. I can actually be myself 
as long as I'm committed to something beyond myself. So, you let's, know, so let's let's go back to this story just because I want to give a tangible example for people. Sure. Back when you were in your dark spot, right before you crashed the car, and you said you were drinking too much and and yeah. things were just dark for you. Let's yeah. say at that point you were um, leading a team of twenty people. Yeah, would you have shared any of that with them, knowing what you know today? Saying, "Hey guys, here's where I'm at right now as your leader, but don't worry, your job's secure." Like how how would you balance that fine line? Well, what I say to a lot of my people is when, when I come to a self-realization, I'm usually the last one to the party. Ah. You know, so they already know. They already know. Yep. What a great so line. What a great line. You know, and that, that's usually true for me. When I'm asking for help, everybody knew I needed it way before I did. You know, because I always say like, I, I always need more help than I want. Mm-hmm. Don't we yeah, so if, I can, if I can turn on my wanter, it's like, okay, how can I actually decide to want help faster instead of suffering more and more trying to do it myself, which is just such a human tendency, especially if you're a leader, I'll do it myself. I'll do it myself. I'm fine. I'll do it myself. Most people, you know, have that practice in their life. Of like we can even glorify it. Like it's resilience, it's perseverance, it's all this, it's taking responsibility. It's, you know, it's all those things, but there's like some suffering that comes with you know, having to feel like I have to do it that way. So, I mean, would I, so if I go back in time to your question now, you know, I had stitches in my face. So like, <laughs> like what I call it, owning current reality, like, Hey, I've got stitches. I've got some stories to tell folks. Um, I've been struggling more than I've let on. And I think people are going to lean in. I mean, some people in that, at that time in my life were shocked by it. Um, and some people were offended by it. Uh, and which I could understand because I was really working hard to keep it together externally. So I got the betrayal. I was betraying myself first and then I was betraying them by trying to keep it together. But some people and the people that are in my life now understood because they know there is in their life that they've been trying to keep it together and just save face or haven't been telling the whole truth or have their own unique private thing going on. And some of them, you know, I was more attainable than ever. I was more approachable than ever. So they wanted. I was broken. Finally, you know, I needed, I finally needed a bunch of people. So, you know, there are, you can't trust everyone and you shouldn't trust everyone, but there are certain people that, you know, if you let show a few cards, they, they want, they actually want to be your friend. They, you know, they want to be closer to you beyond the company structure. It's like a great differentiator between who's real, who's not in your life. That's right. That's right. And that's like, you know, that's the X factor has been the X factor the last four years for me. That story happened four years ago. Um, the crashing of the car, almost four years ago. This month will be four years. And, you know, and the people in my life now want me. They want, you know, and I'm much more apt now to talk about the mixed bag, much more apt to share what's going on for me. Hey, I'm struggling, man. Hey, I'm up against this. Hey, I'm not talking about this thing. Hey, this, you know, and, um, you know, and those people, I mean, those now I'm really close to a core group of people. Now, this is what you do for a living. The highest performers in the world, mostly CEOs and, yeah. and executives, right? Okay. Yeah. Obviously, we're going to leave names and situations out. Has anyone ever said anything to you in your coaching that's absolutely floored you where, where you had to keep your composure when they said, hey, uh, here's the truth. I'm struggling with blank. They've said things that would floor others, I would say. Yeah. yeah. You're, you're <laughs> you ready know, for I, it, though. Yeah. Well, for me, I mean, in those moments, I am just... I mean, I think... You know, I've lived both sides. So now I know that honesty is the only like really true step forward. Mm -hmm. You know, everything else is a is fake. Right. Everything else is like a is a 
is I'm doing this instead of, right? Because if, if, if the image goes forward first, right, then it leaves me behind. But if I'm going forward with honesty, then I'm actually like, then it's actually my vision because it's me, right? Because we can't separate ourselves from vision. We can separate ourselves from image. So when somebody tells me something really vulnerable, that seems like, you know, there's there's a, there's a person in my mind right now and his confession to me in our first ever sit down, he said with tears, now this guy is as buttoned up, as analytical, as tough as nails. Uh, as anybody you'd ever come across. And our, in our first conversation, which was 90 minutes in, he, his confession to me in, in that conversation, I knew he was handing me one of the most sacred conversations that he had. Wow. And so, you know, which is like his biggest vulnerability. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it didn't floor me. Uh, I was so excited for him. Because I felt that needed to be said, right? And there was tons of evidence around him that what he confessed to me was true. So when he says it, I'm like, yeah, thank you. Makes sense. Thank you. Yeah. And and I I tell any of my clients, first off, I said, there's there's no way you can offend me. There's no way, you know, that you're going to, that you're going to, that I'm going to feel any judgment from you. There's, this is not a moral conversation at all. So somebody could tell me, hey, I just killed my neighbor. I said, okay. (laughs) We got something to work on. You know, um, so anyway, it's a little bit of the context. I create a very amoral environment because most of the world is really moral. What's yeah. right, what's wrong, what you should be doing, what you shouldn't be doing. It's so what's judgmental. The, it's so judgmental. So I want to create a space for my folks that is really distinct from anybody in their lives, even their even their partner at work, their partner at home, or whatever. Um, you can you can bring it all here and be found right here, and then you can go back and decide what to share other places and. And, and create those types of relationships. And, you know, I think people who get the most out of the work really get that because it's like, oh, sh- okay, good. Look, there's some place that I don't have any, because there's an old adage that, that we are as sick as our secrets. Mm-hmm. And I found that to be true for me, for sure. And I find that to be true for most people. It's like, I, if, I, if I've got a thing that I think I can't share with someone, whatever it is, um, then I spend a lot of time making sure that doesn't hit the surface. And that's wasted energy, wasted time, wasted everything. That's right. Yeah, that's what Jung called like the shadow self. Like there's this thing now I got to protect, you know? Um, and if there's a space that at least I can be, at, I mean, I think all of us as human beings um, are dying to be found or dying to be fully seen and fully accepted. I mean, I don't think anybody gets to even the toughest, roughest person out there, the most person seems like a really kick through the door. You know, all of us at the end are human beings dying to be seen, dying to be accepted. Um, and so I create that space for them. It's not therapy at all for anybody listening to this. My work's not therapy, but we build it around honesty. And so, cause we can't, there's no future if there's no connection to current reality now. That's amazing. So, so you almost become the best friend that they needed that they probably didn't have, even though it's a paid relationship. That's right. <laughs> I love yeah. it. Are you a life yeah. coach or are you a business coach? I coach all business leaders, but all, I mean, all my, all my clients are, we, they hire me for the business context, but I don't make the bifurcation between work and and personal because yeah. I think work is personal and I think it ought to be. And I and I and it would be convenient. I think there's a lot of suffering whenever people say this is who I am at work and this is who I am at home. That bifurcation, even the whole like work life balance story that the culture used to try to you know absorb, like there's a work me and there's a there's a person me, like that. There's a lot of suffering in that. So I I, I talk them into integrating themselves. 
So anyway, so I coach people in the business context and we talk, we talk all day about results and all day about strategy and all day about big moves and all day about risk and who needs to be hired, who needs to be fired, who needs to be intervened in. And we, we talk, we play in the domain of work, but it's always very personal. Yeah. And the issues that they have are never really work-related. I mean, it would be, I always joke and say, it's going to be convenient. You think it's a strategy issue, but it's the person who created the strategy. And it's the thinking that created the strategy that's the issue. Because you've been on this strategy for an extra 18 months and you knew it was wrong 18 months ago. Mm-hmm. So stay- it's not now the strategy. <laughs> it's you and why you want to hold on to a bad idea for so long. Why Let's you going about the that. ship. Yeah, yeah. That's right. So it's like, it's always very personal. So it's kind of this mix. You know, and most of the people that I work with, they're really, they're brilliant in the context of work, mm-hmm. right? They're brilliant mechanics. They're brilliant strategists. And, you know, a lot of times our work ends up becoming on the personal side as well, because things are falling apart at home. Things are really, you know, uh, attention with their kids. Oh, so they lean into work, something they know that they can do really well. Yeah. But really, what's 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 what they're struggling with is how to integrate both of these lives. Because you know, especially, I don't know if it's along gender lines, but you know, in general, everybody like ends up wanting to do what they do really well, and then they they still have to deal with the frustration at home, mm-hmm. and that is that 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 contends with their ability and focus at work as well. So I do a very integrated approach. It just naturally comes up, you know, like. And there's usually these are little things that never come up, but they're like behind, in, behind, you know, they're in the back of somebody's mind. And just through a series of questions, like that stuff will come to the surface. And so some of their biggest wins will make really win from a financial perspective, from a team perspective. But if you ask them, hey, what was the biggest win in the first month of working with Adrian is I finally got away with my wife, just me and her. Oh, is that cool? And nobody told me that it's okay to do that. We're definitely going to talk about high-performing couples in a moment. I yeah. want to circle back around this guy that said something that would probably floor all of us. He confessed it to you, and you know, obviously, you were you were there for it. Yeah. Uh, it it didn't phase you. Is he doing well now? Was it good uh, that he got this this skeleton out of his closet? And is he doing well now? He's doing the best he's ever done. That's so um, cool. Yeah, it, it's uh, yeah, he's really. It's been really great. We built a lot of trust in that moment, right? Because he told me something that he hadn't told anybody else. Um, and then he and I have you know been coaching for the last fourteen months now. And he's really, he's, he has reinvented himself inside the context of his own company and really thriving That's now. Cool. That's cool. Um, okay. So yeah. speaking of thriving, I'm going to ask you two questions about all the high performers you, you work with. And this is so that the yeah. listeners can find out, do I have this trade or not <laughs> on both ends of the spectrum? Yeah. What is the one common thread that makes all these high performers the best of the best? Yeah. And what is the one common thread that you see them mostly all share that's holding them back? Okay. So it makes them the best of the best. Uh, I mean, they're bothered. I would say, you know, um, and by bothered, I just mean they've, they've, uh, there is a part of them that is intrinsically inseparate. There's a a lack of separation between them and their work. They really see their work as a representation of who they are. Oh, so it's personal. That's why they're going to win. There's a calling, like work or their, their thing that they're, I work most lots with founders, some with just executives in corporate space, but a lot with founders. And, you know, their, their, pro, their project that became a big company, a lot of people are flying through my mind right now, is just they saw, they see their company as an opportunity to like really get the most out of life. It's not work for them. It's not just their company. It's actually the platform that they get to fully express themselves. Mm-hmm. 
And so that's like, I, I mean, I think that that level of integration, like if they take it personally, that's part of why they're bothered so much is because most of the people don't naturally because it's not their baby. But, you know, so that's part of what, what makes, what keeps them up at night, what keeps them inventing, what keeps them experimenting, what keeps them innovating, what keeps them, you know, fighting for the company and fighting for the future is this, in, this lack of separation between their work and themselves. Um, and a lot of people call that unhealthy, which is fine. Um, but that's, that's really, there's an inseparableness. I mean, I even feel that with my work. My work is really like an expression of who I am. And I get to play, I get to be myself fully and even expand who I am through this work. That's why, that's why I love it. It's not a job for me. It hasn't ever been. Um, I'm glad I finally found this iteration of it. So for my, so that's what really sets them apart. Um, I mean, what, what challenges them typically is they, um, they don't trust. Oh, interesting. They Expand. don't trust. They don't trust so, who? Their employees, their partners? Well, like most great artists, what happens in their mind, it, what, in their imagination, is so much clearer and purer than what happens out in reality, right? There's a level of, there's a level of frustration that happens when you got to take a plan into reality, right? Like it's not quite, this is not it. It's not the way it should be, right? And most founders I work with move really fast, are really intuitive, um, really driven, you know, get to the point. And then it's integrating other people that don't have all those exact same traits into the vision, right? So it requires a level of trust. Yeah. And what they typically do is set up games. We all do this, set up games that somebody can earn their way into trust, <laughs> right? You do this, you do this, you do this. And if you perform X, Y, Z, then I trust you. Yeah. And then you've earned your way in. But even that is a naive trust because that says their past is their future. And it's conditional. Yeah. It's conditional, right? And that's not, that's not the most enriching type of trust. You know, instead of bestowing trust, which actually requires uh, you know, a lot of generous listening and like a lot of generous communication. And, and, you know, and if, if you, know, you care a lot about what you're doing, it, it, is, a, and it, it, it is a part of you, right? So you're going to like, you know, I've got a six-year-old or four-year-old, like letting somebody watch my kid, that's a big deal. And most of them are like big personalities. And learning how to take their big personality and do what I'm doing right now, calm themselves down and be able to express their deep concerns in a way that works for somebody else. Most executives, nobody ever brought that to their attention. Wow. And nobody ever taught, like, they can teach, like, effective communication classes and they can teach, you know, they can teach, like, all these tactics, you know, communication tactics, which are all great. But very rarely is anybody helping to integrate or honor really where that comes from, where that passion comes from for them. So they feel, almost every one of my uh, clients feels chronically misunderstood. Wow. Wow. So that, that, and that fear or that tension they feel about being misunderstood, other people don't get it. Why don't they get it? Why don't they work harder? That's like the symptom conversations. Mm-hmm. Um, but really the core conversation is, is they, a lot of them don't know how to get people to align into a vision in a way that's not fear-based because that's the easy way. That's the shortcut, yeah. you know, money, losing your job. All those are like consequences are fear-based versus really enrolling people into a vision where they, their people, their, especially their top brass sees the, the work opportunity like they see it. This is a place to express myself. And, you know, I'm going to bestow trust to you. You're going to be able to speak your truth back to me and I can handle it. 
you know, so. So it's lazy. It's lazy to lead with fear-based things like your job's at risk, or if you don't do this, you know, you're going to get this, this demotion or whatever. Yeah. The more difficult yet more effective way is in really owning trust first and foremost, unconditionally, would you say until it's lost? Yeah. Well, even I, I would say this, I mean, I was just in a conversation with a client this morning and uh, this, this client and some of the other top brass of the company are really up against it and they're pretty positioned, right? They're not talking anymore. Um, and it's pretty bad. Uh, and they've really blown it. And now what's possible in the future? Well, the only way that anything new is possible is for them to sit in a room and say, hey, we don't like each other very much and we don't trust each other very much. Now, what's possible now? Because I think a lot is possible if you can own that. Right? Wait, people so, never get in the room, not to interrupt you, but they never get in the room when they're at odds and say, here's the baseline, but what's possible? What's possible? They just blame. Yeah, they just blame. And they spend their time positioned and defending themselves. And then they continue to build evidence because this is what their brain does if they don't tell to do something else is have a, have a conclusion and then spend their time scanning the environment for why they're right about their conclusion. Yeah. And meanwhile, they're miserable. This sounds like couples too, by the way. Yeah. This I know like couples too. Like, hey, I know we're an absolute shit show right now, but what are the opportunities? What could we build? They never do that. They just keep yeah. on blaming and blaming and building up stories and whole nine yards. That's right. Yeah. Alan, and I just had that conversation last night. We were talking about, what were we talking about? Oh, we were talking about the, the week that we met and we'd talked on the phone. This might be too many details for somebody. No, but go we, for it. we talked on the phone. And um, she was traveling and uh, we weren't going to see each other for a few days. In the meantime, she had just gotten off a date the, the night before, I think we talked. In the meantime, between talking on the phone and being on our first date, I went on another date with somebody else. <laughs> and uh, she, was, she was talking about it last night. And, you know, and I, before I went on that other date, before she and I met in person, we'd hit it off on the phone. Um, and I'd, I'd ask a, a mentor of mine, hey, should I go on this date? Like Allie and I just met and it's really gangbusters and I think she's really awesome. Should I go on this date? And he said, hey, don't count your chickens before you're hatched. Go ahead, go on the date. And da da da. And anyway, Allie and I were talking about it last night and she, you know, there's a little bit in it for her. And I can't believe, you know, little, she was joking about it a little bit. Um, and then and I just said, hey, you know what? This seems, this seems like a slippery slope conversation. And it's really late. We've had long days. I think if we don't watch it, we might go, we might say something. One of us might say something and go to bed mad. How about we just stop? Wow. Okay. And then we, you know, let's turn on, you know, she's, she's graciously uh, watching West Wing with me. I'm a West Wing fanatic. We're in the sixth season. This is, this is impressive. Listen, let's make a quick pivot because we, we have a lot of high performing couples that listen to this show. I I think somehow we just naturally attract them. And you, both are very public about your your relationship with Ali Webb, and and for those that don't know, uh, you know the founder of Drybar, very well known entrepreneur, rockstar. And uh, I'm curious, what is that dynamic like when the two of you, and I'm going to use the example that you just gave, yeah. when the two of you are used to, or when you when you are used to coaching such high level CEOs, yeah, and the two of you are just hanging out at home, do you find it difficult to not be the quote coach or to not coach her up or, or act in that way that, you know, um, you're the one giving, doling out the advice. (laughs) Oh yeah. Well, uh, I know I'm in trouble when I start talking to her, like I'm talk on coaching 
sessions. You recognize it. You can feel it. I recognize. Oh, and I'll, I don't want to self-flatter. I don't recognize it fast enough sometimes, <laughs> right? Because now, but but it only I only go to that because now I want to slow the conversation down. It's my way of like commandeering control. Is like I'll start to ask her to repeat herself, or I'll start to have her give herself feedback about stuff, or just you know, it's just control mechanism one one. And usually, what's happening for me is I don't like the way I feel, or I don't like you know what I'm making up about what she's saying, or I've got some kind of judgment of her in the moment or whatever. But I'm, I go to that place when I'm already in defense, mm-hmm. you know? So there's two things about it because part of the coaching thing is just actually me, yeah. right? I'm actually, I really want to get to the crux of the matter. Where you are. Naturally, it's who I am now, but I can't, so I got to watch because there's part of that that's just me and I really, I really want to feel understood. Mm-hmm. I really want to understand myself even because sometimes something's going on. I don't even know what's going on. I'm, I'm feeling crazy or I'm feeling defensive or I'm feeling angry. And it, the, the, it's not a proportional response. She said something little and I'm at a 10 and it's like, whoa, what is that about? You know? And so, but so I really, you know, want to understand what's going on for me. I want her to understand what's going on for me. If I don't watch it, just like every other human, I want her to come to me first. Yeah. So, uh, but if I can see my reaction, and I'm decent at this, yeah. I don't want to understate it. I'm decent at this. If I can see my reaction, I can slow myself down, and I can just say, "Whoa, I'm feeling defensive." That's impressive. Okay, so th- I've got to ask. Then there's no one better to ask because you're both in a relationship and you coach high performers in relationships like this. What's the yeah. secret to two highly driven personalities making a relationship great amongst all the distractions and projects that you have going on? Yeah. Uh, the nutshell is give each other room. Um, and here's what I, what I mean by that. This is what I said to her on the first, uh, on our first call together, part of what hit for her and part of what hit for me, uh, and our, what made us have immediate chemistry. Cause I wanted, um, I thought I wanted a huge personality, <laughs> like meaning somebody that was like, you know, had a lot going on. Cause I've never been with anybody like Ali Webb. Ali Webb's one of a kind anyway, but you know, huge personality driven, Kicking ass in the world, lots of opinions. That very attractive to me because those people for me are really easy to locate. Mm-hmm. Like, I know where they are. I know what's going on for them. They're not like internal. I'd rather them be external. So at least I know how to connect. Yep. So, but what I said to her on that first call was, I bet because uh, we got connected through a matchmaker service. We can talk about that later if we want. But the um, anyway, I said, I bet you're a hard person to find a match for because you're, you you need someone that's really unique, somebody that's big enough has enough sense of self that gives you enough room to be as huge as you are, be as opinionated and energetic and forward thinking and outward going and someone that's big enough that lets you be all that. And then someone that's also big enough that you can actually crumble and it's okay. Mm, good setup, you know? man. Cause you're like, and I know the only guy in the world that is that way right here. I told her, I told her, I don't know, uh, three days ago, I think I said, you know, I was writing my own job description. In that, <laughs> in that conversation. So, I mean, give each other room. You know, she, um, she knows that I'm, I'm philosophical and psychological and sensitive and testy and, you know, uh, a nerd and all these types of things. And she has decided to really appreciate those things about me. And those would be really intense for a lot of people, even too intense for me at times, right? And too intense for other people and plenty of other relationship, I was too much for them. She's decided 
that I'm not too much for her. Mm-hmm. And I've decided that she's not too much for me. Even in the, for both of us, even for the sides of our personalities that show up at times we wouldn't like, you know, she's not too much for me. That's really cool. And, you know, so I, so that's room. Like, so let her be as Allie as she needs to be in that moment. That's what I'm, that's how I'm growing in this moment, you know, with her. It's like giving her a bunch of room and just listening, listening to her long enough until she finds the music for herself. Because, you know, when, when she's upset or whatever, there's just something that wants to be said. It's coming out like this, but really what wants to be said is back here. If I can listen long enough and I can stay calm long enough and not take offense and not take it personally and just listen through and ask enough questions. And of course, I don't do this well all the time. This is not a, this is how great Adrian is conversation. This is the things that I'm practicing. Um, so listening through, listening past things. And if we do that on both sides and we, and we, per, I don't know what normal is, mm-hmm. but we fight a lot. Mm-hmm. And, but, but I, she jokes about this in, in any kind of interview stuff we're talking about. She's, she, she said, oh, well, we do what you said we do. We'd fight a lot. And I told that early. And, and part of it was... You kept her promise. Yeah. Well, part of it was, you know, I've been in a lot of relationships where, where we didn't deal with things. Mm-hmm. And my own makeup, and this might be too much in the deep end, but my own makeup is I can just be the martyr. I can just take it on my shoulders. I'm fine. I'll take it. I'll change. Da, 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 and I can easily play that role and not take care of myself. Welcome to what happened eight years ago. Um, and I'm not going to do that anymore. I'm going to represent myself. I'm going to represent myself, hopefully in ways that work, hopefully in ways that are you know diplomatic and sweet and kind and come from a place of commitment and love and vision. Don't do that all the time. Um, but that's what I want. I want to actually fully represent myself and not betray myself and then blame somebody else for it. Um, but, you know, and, and I want her to do that. And I want her to really contend with me, you know, because I don't want her to, you know, I don't want either one of us to be the center of the universe. We're together, like yeah. we're partnered. And that means both of us will sacrifice so the other wins. Yeah, that's great. Best case, best case scenario. And both of us are opinionated, stubborn, you know, uh, people, yeah. right? And so we're going to need to battle. And we're, for us, we're studying the interval between first offense and when we get soft and get back to the point of love and connection. Like that's... Let, let yes. me take the point that you just said before we switch directions again. One more question on this subject. Uh, if you guys are both stubborn and driven, yeah. then when she has a massive new initiative that takes tons of time, energy, focus, and capital, and when you have a new initiative that takes tons of time, energy, focus, and capital, as a couple, how do you decide which one gets to lean into it, which one steps back, or do you both pursue them equally? Yeah. Well, we've been together 10 months. So we've both been charging after them equally mm-hmm. so far. Yep. So it hasn't been, you go, I'll stay. Mm-hmm. I'll go, you'll stay. We haven't needed that. Um, uh, but at times, both of us sacrifice for the other one to have the opportunity or the, in the COVID house with the six-year-old and the four-year-old yeah. and the 13-year-old, somebody's got to make sure the natives are quiet. Half of your 10 months have been a very strange world, by the way. I know, man. It's been super weird. Um, so we haven't had to do the either-or context yet. I know when people sometimes need to do that, especially when it comes to finances or leveraging time. Um, so we haven't been up against that yet. Um, but you know, as long as... But the principle, I would say, as long as both people get the long-term vision about why this makes sense now... Mm-hmm. You know, and there's not one that's like sacrificing like a martyr. Don't sacrifice like a martyr. Sacrifice like, like, um, like 
don't die, like really live to sacrifice. I don't know if that distinction makes sense. Like, hey, I, I know I'm, I'm suspending my possibility right now so that you can have more room, more finances, more whatever. And this is for a time. This is for a season. And that's understood. It's not like you're the goer and I'm the stayer. Yeah, permanently. Yeah. You have two goers and one person has to be the stayer. That's not going to work. You know, and then they're, they're going to not like it. It's going to be inauthentic and they're going to blame the other person later in the resentment. Yeah, resentment. Not yep. You know, so it's just get clear, get clear about the season of time you're in and the, you know, the, the, um, um, the temporalness of it. You know, it's like, this is this, this season. Yeah. That's, um, that's, and, that's, and what are the triggers by which we get to shift? You know, if you have to go that way, when do I get to shift? And let's get that clear now and stay on top of the conversation. And if any resentment comes up, talk about it soon. And not like somebody else or it's happening to me. It's like, hey, here's what's coming up for me. So that it's not about, so now I don't resent the decision we made six months ago. I'm just dealing with the feelings I have or the awareness I have or the perception I have now. I didn't know I'd feel like this six months ago. So I'm dealing with these feelings. I'm dealing with this perception. I'm dealing with this experience. So you're partnered even in the frustration. It's like togetherness. I mean, Ali's taught me a lot about that. I, it, the faster I trust her, the better we go. Yeah. Um, even when it comes to dealing with personal stuff and like dealing with the, you know, the co-parenting thing and even all the kids stuff right now with school. I mean, if I listen to her sooner, it things move so much faster. <laughs> that's I just get, a good blanket rule, by the way. 15 years in, I'll tell you, that's just a great blanket rule. No, just kidding. Yeah. Hey, you, you brought up your kids. We talk a lot about money and success on the show. How do you want your kids to grow up viewing money and success? Oh, I want them to make as much as money as they can. Um, and by, by, I mean, I, I, I came, I, let me get to the answer this way. Um, Cause I want to honor the legacy I'm coming out of. I came out of two parents that are both school teachers, both retired school teachers taught for 35 years um, and both givers period givers of themselves, right? Any public school teachers, a giver, they're amazing. I'm sacrificing. My brother's a school teacher as well. Um, and they're public leaders in a small town. My dad ran every sports league in town. My mom volunteered at church for you know, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of hours. They're naturally givers. So I was, I was given that, like given that vision for, hey, you want to make, you want to make a difference in life? Give. And that was give for my parents. It was really give of time, um, give of expertise and like train up the next generation. So I want my kids to really get, get clear about what their gift is. And then go do that. And what, however you can leverage that to make as much money as possible. Because um, I, I, we, 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 had, we had plenty at my home because my parents sacrificed and my dad refereed basketball games and you know, did everything um, to make sure we never, I never dealt with, with need. Um, and rarely ever dealt with want. I mean, they really wanted us to have. They both came from poorer families. So, um, but you know the the what's possible financially really wasn't that wasn't a big conversation in my family. What's possible financially just wasn't in their vision about what they wanted to do career wise. Most people don't go into teaching to go make millions of dollars. So you know I, I with my kids I want them to go see the whole world and see the whole world of possibilities and find out how to create the most amount of value and really to fully be themselves. So many people that even I work with have all the accolades, have all the money, and are miserable. Because they're what they're doing isn't consistent with really themselves, you know, and they're 20 years in, so they can't stop now and that kind of thing. So I really want to find that that fusion between like vocation, like what's my calling in life, and then how to leverage it to make as much money as possible. Um, so that they can go out and give to other people. And I know because that's been a big part of, you know, I don't know what's more meaningful, 
than generosity. I don't know. I don't, I mean, I, it seems so damn cliche, but even I know the difference between myself, if I'm in a, con- even in a conversation for myself or if I'm in a conversation for somebody else, the whole conversation is different. And you can have really a, a lifestyle of, I mean, I just, not recently, I mean, years ago, I just, any, any homeless guy on the street that asks for money, I give him money. Yeah. Why? Because I can, number one. Number two is it just feels good to give. Yeah. And it's going to bless that guy. What's he going to, what he's going to do with it? Not my, not your you business. Know, it's not, not business. up to you to judge. It's so That's funny. Right. Wait, I, I hate when people say, oh, I'm not going to give that panhandler money. I'm not going to homeless guy money because, um, you know, he's just going to drink or do drugs with it. Do you know how many of my rich friends do nothing but drink and do drugs? So who <laughs> right. the hell are we to judge what he's going to go do with it? Give the guy yeah. a leg up. That's right. That's right. So I want to model those types of that type of behavior with my kids, you know, and be generous with money, be generous with um, time, be generous with energy, be generous with expertise. You know, I don't let my kids call what I do work. Yep. Um, I, I, they describe what I do. Oh, daddy's, oh, daddy's got to go coach more leaders. Daddy's oh, got to go help cool. more people. I don't say daddy's got to go to work. Uh, daddy's got to go help more people because I want them to get that work is about something. Um, and so I want them to really honor work and through that honor the contribution that comes from it. So, you know, I'm excited. It's, it's, it's hard for me to wait because there's six and four. Yeah. And there's so many places I want them to see, you know, there's a, there's a map behind me, um, that people might not be able to, they won't be able to see, but you know, I want them to be global citizens and okay. understand what's going on around the world. I can't wait to take them to all the places I've been and, and see the needs there, not just go to do the touristy stuff. I want them to go see the needs and go get involved. And go make a difference, even as little kids. So I'm. That's that's part of the the coach in me. Um, but I love doing whatever I can to engineer a little mind, help them see the world, and if they can see needs and want to be a part of the solution to that, um, and be a, you know make a contribution, man, that that will make will make that that to me. So that's really cool. You know, listen before they can go around and see the world because everything's closed down right now to to U.S. <laughs> citizens. Get a yeah. motor home and drag them around the country. It's the most fun yes. thing on the planet. I'm going to yes. convince you guys to do this. I'm going to convince We've you guys to do this. We've been inspired. Yes. We've been inspired. <laughs> oh, we've great. gone through too many motorhomes lately. Okay. Uh, <laughs> last couple of questions here. I want to honor your time. We are just talking about generosity. It's a common ethos that you and I share. And yeah. we didn't even have enough time to get into all the great philanthropic efforts that you've done over time and, yeah. and your ministry and everything else. I mean, you're one of the most well-rounded, great human beings I've ever met. And what I saw you yeah. do something that really stood out to me. Um, when COVID hit, you said, I have never seen so many leaders struggling and you wanted yeah. to do something for them. So you actually took some of your IP, you took some of your content, one of your courses, and you made it free for any leaders, founders, CEOs, entrepreneurs that wanted to help get through what they're struggling with as they navigate COVID. Is that right? Yeah. Where did they get that? And, and tell us about it. Yeah. So one of the... One of the as I was describing a little bit earlier, you know, I love frustrated people. Mm-hmm. I love people that are throwing their lives at something. And because, and out of that, it won't be the perfect picture. And so part of that will come out like frustration. And so anyway, we've got a rally point for people that are feeling that like, it's not like it should be. It's not like it ought to be. It's not like it can be. Uh, and so we, our rally point is frustratedfounder.com. Oh, That's great a, name. Yeah. Well, it's such, such a simple place just to go and if you go to frustratedfounder.com and scroll down to the bottom, because what we have done is we want people to really thrive during this time. I mean, or, I mean any, any chaos is opportunity for sure, right? 
And you get to make up, uh, it's either the beginning of the end, or it's the beginning of the beginning. It's a whole new season of time, right? And you get to decide what it is. And so for folks that want to thrive, that want to make this time a new, like, just think about it. Two years from now, what story do you want to tell about what you did for your company, what you did for your people, what you did for yourself, what you did for your family? What story do you want to tell two years from now? And just go do that. So, but we all need tools to do that because we're all in spacesuits that want just to survive and hold on tight and blame everybody else and keep watching the news and all the other crap that most people are doing is just surviving the moment instead of making this moment count. Like squeeze this crisis, make something great out of it. So if you want some tools to help, just go down. I've got the, the, the course that you mentioned, just go, at, if you scroll down to the bottom, that's where it says, you know, try my coaching for free. And you can click on that and we'll send you a course and it's free. It's hundred percent yours. It's going to help you get to the, get to the core issues that are going on for you and for the team that you're on and anything, anything, the obstacles that are in your way, it's going to help you really reorient yourself in this time of crisis. Cause we're on a whole new map now. Like the world is immediately different. Yeah. And so you've got to re, you know, we talk about like you know, retuning the compass. Yeah. So that's going to be a free course. Go myfrustratedfounder.com, go down to try my coaching for free and we're happy to help. I love that. So a lot of times at the end of an episode, I'll just do something random. Uh, yeah. And if you're giving away free courses, I'll match you only to people that will tag you on Instagram in this episode, tag you and me on what their favorite takeaway was, what they learned from you. And let's say five. So I'll give away my course, The Money Principles to a random five people that tag you and me on Instagram with their favorite takeaway, what you taught them. And uh, this, I love that you're giving away free courses. You inspire me to do that. So uh, and you're, by the way, you're adekohler.com. Is it Kohler or Kaler? We pronounce it Kaler, but it's you know, it's spelled, spelled Kohler. Okay. All right. Now, well, you German. pronounce it Kaler. You spell it Kohler. It's A-D-E-Kaler. Yeah. K-O-H-L-E-R. Uh, yep. On Instagram. So, Tag Adrian, tag myself your, with your favorite takeaway. I'll pick a random five of you to get the Money Principles course for free. And every single one of you, go take him up on his offer at thefrustratedfounder.com to go get his course for free. I've seen a lot of people doing this um, where they've taken a couple of their courses and made them free. And yep. I just interviewed somebody a little while back who did the same thing with every single one of her courses. And mm. it's, it's that time of year or that season that we're in where yeah. people need that. So I really applaud you for that, man. Yeah. Well, leaders step up. I mean, not to say this about me, but the, you know, I, it's times like this, right? It's times like this that we can either be about ourselves or be about others. And, you know, if it's just going to be better, if it's your, if you're about others and do whatever you can to help, whatever that is, do whatever you can to help, man, it's going to win. You're going to come out the other side stronger than you were before. It's a whole new reality and, and hopefully a whole new you. Like it's, you know, these are the opportunities. So thanks, man, for this conversation. Love you. Love Lori. Love this mission here. Love your stand for generosity in the culture, man. And you know, I hope more and more of this thrives. And I hope this is this is the uh, how people get taken over. And like, okay, how can we give the most? So anyway, thanks for thanks for being the example in the culture. Man. Right back at you. Thank you for being on. Thank you for your time. Thank you for everything you taught today. Seriously, awesome. couples, business people, everybody in between, they're going to get better by listening to, to everything you shared today. So I appreciate you, buddy. Thanks, brother. Thanks for listening. And if you loved this episode and know of someone else who is as successful as they are generous, please pass them on to me. 
It would mean the world to me if you help me get this cause and this message out to as many listeners as I can. So please, if you liked what you heard, it goes a long way if you take 30 seconds and leave me a five-star review and share this with your friends. I'll be forever grateful. And until the next episode, cheers to your success.